Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Hey, right where you are, just let's ask God to speak to us. And uh, pray for me as I, as I look, look through this, because I'm in a series called Simple. I just want to talk about simple truths. But this feels very profound. Father, I just pray that you would speak to us. And God, your word is, is a sword, but it's medicine. God, I just pray that you would you administer to each one of us as we need. Meet us right where we are, because that's what you want to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you got scripture, I'm going to be kind of all over the place for a second. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to go down into 13. In honor of this month, I was been, I've just been reading about our brothers and sisters in the faith and I read about a lady named Harriet Tubman, and many of y'all have heard her story, but in, the, in her 20s, she was smuggling slaves from the south to the north. And this is what she said. She said, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. I always told him, I trust you, and I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did, she said. Her faith deeply impressed an abolitionist named Thomas Garrett. And Thomas Garrett said, I've never met with any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God as spoken directly to her soul. The only way this lady has such a divine connection is because she has believed and rested in the fact that God has loved her. God loved her and she knew it. She believed it. So she trusted he's going to show up even when she didn't know way. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you do. So you good and you got me. So let's go. <laughs> it's so simple, right? Love is so simple. And the whole truth of the word is like God is love. That is so easy. But I'm here. I want to, I want to talk tonight and I want to make it not so simple because it is so complex. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 27, and I want to read where we've been, and we've been talking about how we are many members, we've got many gifts, we're baptized into Christ, we identify with his body through the bread and the cup, and that's a remembering, as we talked about last week. So now follow on with, with me as I read a few verses. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Remember we talked about last week. The remembering of the body, the bread and the cup. We together, when you're baptized into Christ, you are his body. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? 
does everyone interpret? But earnestly, listen, earnestly desire the higher gifts. That's why it's good to desire these things. It's good. But listen, does everybody have all of them? No, it's okay. But desire, desire more of his charisma. And listen, this is one of my favorite parts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. I know some of us are like, man, I can't think of anything more excellent than working some miracles. You know what I mean? I can't think of anything more excellent than laying my hands on somebody and somebody getting healed. I can't think of anything more excellent than that. But Paul says, I want to show you still a more excellent way. Can you guess what it is? He says, listen, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... So listen, some people try to tell me that speaking in tongues is just speaking to other languages. Listen, this part right here, the tongues of angels, there's a heavenly language. So if I had that, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm irritating to the ear. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all the mysteries of all hidden knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Listen to this. Well, for what he's saying right here is, listen, like it's possible to have charisma, but not be filled with love. It's possible. It's possible to give away everything I have. And do you know what the root of that being is just about me? That means it has nothing to do with love. It means I could give away everything I have. And it's all about me because I, I care about what you think about me. It has nothing to do with love. Because this is what love is. Check, about, check this out. This is what love is. Love is patient and it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resent resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love, listen to this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. It doesn't stop. It's consistent. As for prophecies, they're going to pass away. As for tongues, they're going to cease. As for knowledge, it's going to pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Some people think that the greatest evidence of God's presence is power. Some people think that the greatest evidence of God's presence is popularity. Some people think that the greatest evidence of God's presence is passionate feelings. But the greatest evidence of God's presence and work is love. Where God is present and working, there you will find love. You can find everything else working. But if God is there, you're going to find love. And as we read through a list like that, I know I used to read through this list and I'm like, I'm getting better. I'm a little bit more patient now, you know? 
But what Paul wants us to understand is because everybody's fighting over the reality of who's most important and who's doing great and who deserves the high five and attaboy, you're really something special. And he says, hey, guys, listen, listen, listen. Here's what it's all about. This list points us all to the reality that, like, that ain't me. Anybody else in the room, like, that ain't, that's me about 15 minutes of the day, you know what I mean? (laughs) I promise you, like, for 15 minutes, I'm good with my four kids. I'm patient and I'm kind. And then there starts to happen inside of me something that is not patient and kind. And it's like a fire. And I'm like, I got to get away. You know, I go hide in the room. I shut the door. I'm like, I just got to think for a moment, you know. But something in this passage blew my mind. I've never even thought about it. And, and I, I, I want to just be simple, but it's so profound. Listen to this. The Bible teaches that God is love. That's 1 John, right? But it says that love rejoices, rejoices with the truth in verse 6. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Does anybody just want to stay rejoicing their whole life every second of your day? Don't you? Anybody? Come on. I just want to rejoice all the time. I want to rejoice. If you had all power and everything at your disposal, would you not choose to be just rejoicing all the time because you ain't got nothing to worry about, right? Listen to this. God looks at wrongdoing and chooses to come not and rejoice, but chooses to grieve. For some of us who sat in church a long time, like this to me is mind-blowing. If I'm God and I have all power, I ain't stop rejoicing because I got everything I want. You know what I mean? God has chosen to humble himself and tie his emotions, like his feelings, like his thoughts with us. What? God has chosen not to stay in the position of rejoicing 24-7 because he cares about us to that extent. I don't know about you, but that's just different. And I hope I explained that well, because to me, it just blows my mind. But the modern idea of what love is, I believe is not enough. I hear all the time, man, I'm so in love. You know, I do a lot of weddings. I'm so in love. And I'm like, tell me what, what you're so in love. She's just this, and she's just that, or he's just does this, and it makes me feel like this. I'm going to tell you, the first time I held my wife's hand, it was like lightning. Anybody? Come on now. That first time you hold a girl's hand or a guy or whatever. I, I don't know about that one, but like my lady, like when I held her hand, like, like lightning, you know. Do you know it's different after 11 years? Some of y'all have been married a lot longer than me, and it's just different, isn't it? 30, 40, 50, it's different. But you know what I discovered about what I thought love was? It was, it was not. It was more ego. Because do you know what I knew about my wife in that moment? She was going to help my life. She was going to change me. She was everything I needed. Do you know why I chose Shannon? Because of my ego. She was going to make me everything I wanted to be. She was beautiful and is beautiful. And I wanted everybody to see me walking around with a beautiful girl. I always want a beautiful girl. It was all about me. 
And you know what happened when we first got married? You know what our first fight was? How to, how to load a dishwasher. I was like, I had no idea you were so picky. You know, I had no idea you were so selfish. But why am I mad? Because I'm so selfish. I want to load the dishwasher a certain way, and so do you. We looked at each other and we said, man, we, you ain't who I thought you were. You don't help me like I thought you would. I think I've ruined my life. Anybody else in the room thought you ruined your life when you got married? Three years in, I was like, I'm done. Everybody's going to be like, You're the, it's, it's over. I'm like, I have literally picked the wrong person. I promise you. But listen, listen. The more I lived this life, love had nothing to do with my decision to marry my wife. Nothing. But do you know what happened when I had kids? When I had kids, I realized that I think it's the greatest um, display and experience of true, the best example of God-like love. Because unless, unless, listen to this, unless I choose to love my child and keep that thing alive, it will perish. But that child does nothing for me for years. Anybody? Come on, new parents. I am withering and dying. A slow death, by the way. Like, it is slow, painful, and miserable. And people think I'm losing my mind because I can't think well because I haven't slept in years. Seven, to be exact. Come on, parents. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I choose to continue to love that child. And as I do, man, I change. My life changes. And for some of us, we will endure with our child, and it diverts really the relationship between husband and wife, which is what I see a lot. And then we collectively give our life away, love this child, love this child. We don't think about each other because I can't stand you, you can't stand me, but we love our child together and we're going to do it for them, right? Come on now. And then what you see happen is when the kids leave the house, we look at each other and we go, well, we did it for them. See you. Because I didn't want to go the full extent of love with my spouse, but I'm good to do it, survive these kids, you know, it's all for them. We're invited into this display and experience of love together. And I'm telling you, some of us are in the thick of experience and having to choose love and having to look in this thing and go, this isn't me, God, what do I do? Give me power to survive another week with my spouse. But the modern idea of love is way too simple. There's two types of churches today, I believe. One who is, hey man, God loves everybody. Just come on in, you know, it don't matter. Don't matter, nothing matters. God loves everybody. Who cares? For real. Like, it don't matter. And God's cool with you. It's good. And there's another type of church that would say, God's cool with a few of y'all. And if you're not the few of y'all, then you ain't welcome here. So we're going to hunker down just a few of us. And we go, us against the world, y'all. And God's about to smite everybody else, but not us, because we're good. We love, right? You know? But I want to tell you, it's more complex than both of those. I want to read this out of Psalm 145. We're going to see this picture. Psalm 145, I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. 
the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desires of, listen, every living thing. I mean, God is helping everybody out. All the life in this world, God is extending grace to. He's showing up in the hard times. He's meeting you right where you are. You're going through hard stuff and you figure, man, God just showed up randomly, you know? It's amazing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and he's kind in all of his works. God is so kind to everybody. This is what the theologians call common grace. God loves everybody and he's putting it on display 24-7 all the time. Every single one of us are making crazy decisions. We're not living, love that, that list. Y'all, we've missed the mark. Come on, let's be honest. And yet he, all the time, he's enduring. And listen, if he's not rejoicing in the work that you're doing, listen what he's doing. He's bearing with you. He's hoping with you. He's believing for you. He's, he's enduring through everything with you. That's what God is doing because his character is love. But this is where the shift happens. This is why it's more complex. Everybody, he's showing up in everybody's life. But here's what he says. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, there is a truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. It's complex. But Ezekiel 33 says that God says, I take no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. I don't even, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy about this. I don't want this to happen. John 3.16 says, I've died for the whole world. I've died for everyone. I didn't come to the world to condemn it. I don't even want to condemn it. But what it says, if you continue down a few more verses, it says, I've saved those who believe, but those who do not believe in me, they're already condemned. They've chosen a way. And it is not the way that I want for them. There is coming the wrath of God. And you say, man, like how can love and wrath exist together? Listen to this. Anybody got a friend you've seen just go off the rails and make stupid decisions? Anybody? I don't we all have, right? And you just walked up and you're like, hey, you know what? It's cool, just keep doing it. Hey, you good? Shoot. Anybody? Like you acting a fool, but hey, you know what? Who cares? It's all good. No, you honestly, like if you do that, you're a bad friend. You're a bad friend. No, you know what I do? I call those people. Hey, man, what's going on? You good? What do you need? What are you going down this road? Hey, hey this ain't going to be best for you. Do you know why I do that? You know what happens to me? I get, ups I get angry because I know what you could be. I know what could happen for you. It could be so much more. You see, wrath and love go hand in hand sometimes. I'm, I'm angry. It doesn't mean I'm going to slap you. It means I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to get in your business. I'm going to say, let's walk a different direction together. Why are we going down this road? Let's don't go down this road. Love and wrath can exist together. And I believe it's this heartbeat of God 
that pursues us with everything that he is. To, to those who call on him in truth. What does that mean? It doesn't just mean that those who throw up a wish and a whim, prayer, no. What it means to those who call on him in truth is to state the truth about him. And Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus came down and did what we couldn't do to make a way, to open a door for every single one of us to have perfect relationship with his Father. He did the work. So as we call on him in truth, here's what we gotta call on. We call on the one who did the work. And when you call on the one who does the work and when you receive his work for your life, then you have access to him and you are not considered wicked. You are considered the righteousness, the right doing of God. That's where things change. So wrath doesn't exist on his children. Wrath exists outside of his children, those who have not believed on Jesus. David Guzik says this, our love for God doesn't really say anything about us. It is the only common sense response to knowing and receiving the love of God. <laughs> Listen to that again. Our love for God doesn't really say anything about us. It is only the common sense response to knowing and receiving the love of God. I've told y'all this story before and some of y'all have heard it, but it is my favorite story about the love of God. In the days of uh, slave trade, oftentimes little girls were sold at the most precious of price. For you can imagine what for. And there was a man who would travel around to these auctions and he would purchase little slave girls. And he came to the auction and as the bid started, this little girl, I mean, she is little. And she walks up there sheepishly on the block and she stands there before all of these eyes that see her, barely closed so that everybody gets a good look at her. And as she stands there, you could almost like feel her anxiety as she can only imagine what's about to happen. And the bidding starts and it starts and it continues and it continues and it continues till finally it lands on one man. And as they begin to walk off, he pays the price for this girl. This girl, he grabs her hand and he begins to walk away. And as they walk away, he kneels down to her and he says, you're free. She said, what? Yeah, you're free. You mean, what do you mean free? You mean I can, I can, say, I can say what I want to say? You can say anything you want to say. I can do anything I want to do. You can do anything you want to do. She starts to think, she said, I can go, I can go anywhere I want to go. Honey, hey. You can go anywhere you want to go. And at that, she paused and she thought and she looked at him intently and she says, then I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. It's because the experience of love moves us toward love. When you think about your father in heaven, when you think about God as he, as he looks at you, his child, is the picture that you see from him, is he patient with you? Is he kind? Is he always hopeful for you? 
Is he enduring every circumstance with you? Is he believing the best about you? Hey, you know what? It's going to be better tomorrow. Today was a tough one, and I'm grieving with you, and I'm sad with you because it could have been different, but, it, you know, tomorrow's going to be awesome because we get to walk together. That's what that does. Love doesn't make sense, y'all. And it's a rare experience. I, pro- like, I want to say, like, I've experienced this, but I'm challenged, maybe for a moment, But outside of the work of Jesus, I'm not sure I've ever experienced this perfect love. No. Listen to this. This is what Jesus says in John 15. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Let that, sit, let that sink for a minute. Don't pass by the word too quickly. As the Father has loved me, I love you. How do you think God loved Jesus? Perfectly, intimately. Jesus loves you like this. Abide in my love means stay there and never leave this land. Never leave it. Don't leave it. Hey, some of you having trouble with your mind? Don't leave this land. Any temptation to say, walk away from this danger. No, come back. Stay here. Abide in my love. Listen to this. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. That doesn't sound fun. Hold up. Listen, but just as I have kept my Father's commands and I abide in His love, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be inside of you. Listen to this. And that your joy may be full. This is what I'm commanding you to do. That you love one another as I have loved you. Hold up. Listen, listen. Listening to Jesus isn't about his ego. Hold up. I'm going to listen, listen. Listening to Jesus doesn't have anything to do with him. What does he need from you? He's 100% fulfilled. He's telling you what to do for you so that my joy will be inside of you. So that you're going to be filled with joy. Hey guys, do you want to know how to be filled with joy? Give your life away like Jesus gave it for others. Like he gave it to you. you you're going to have joy flood your heart. Anybody just want joy? Feel joy. I want, I want joy. You can have joy. But he said, if you'll listen to me, my joy will be full inside of you. Do you want his joy? He says, stop asking for it. It's available to you. Stop begging me for something I've already offered to you. I want to give you my joy. Shoot, I want to give it to you. But listen to me. Love others as I have loved you. How has he loved you? I think about this, and I think this is one of the greatest hindrances for our experience of joy. It's mine, okay? Can I just, I'll tell on myself, all right? I think about John 13, one of Jesus' final days. 
sits around with his friends and he takes off his outer garment. He puts on a towel and everybody's sitting there and he pulls out a wash basin and he says, oh, y'all, come, come here. And he gets on his hands and knees and he begins to wipe off the nasty dirt from these men's feet. And this is like, y'all know the story. If y'all know the Bible, like you understand, like this is the, this is the lowest thing you could do in their society because when they walk down the roads, anybody, I've been, anybody been to India or something like that? There's like open sewage down the street. It was like that in those days. So when these guys' feet is just, just nasty. I'm not even gonna just talk about it. I just don't like thinking about, hold on, I'm good. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm thinking about him like cleaning these feet and they're like, no, no, wait, wait, what, are you, what are you doing, man? What are you, wait. He cleans out the junk in between their toes. He finishes all these guys. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't then sit back on a chair and say, all right, now who, who wants to wash mine? Who wants to wash mine? Come on. I'm going to wait for somebody to wash my feet. He don't do that. He says, listen, you call me Lord and you call me teacher. And you've seen what your Lord does. Go and do as I have done to you. And today, listen, listen, listen. We're done right here. If you believe you need your feet washed, you do. But Jesus is the only one who can do it. If you think you need to be served today, you do. But you need Jesus to serve you. You need Jesus to love you. And I promise you, he wants to. He wants to meet you and wash your feet clean. Would you let him meet you right where you are? Where are you right now? What do you need from him? You will get it from no one else but him. But some of us are sitting back waiting for somebody else to wash our feet and we are not entering joy. He said, do you want joy? Listen to what I've told you. Stay in my love. Continually let me wash your feet. And then go and do as I have done for you and you will experience joy. But the second you leave this land, you will experience not what I've called you into, not my joy, not my peace. And I don't want that for you. I'm weeping over you. I want different for your life. This is the God that we serve. But do you know what when we miss the mark? He's hopeful for tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna be awesome. I believe tomorrow. That man, you're getting it. It's gonna be fire. And I'm with you and I'm not gonna leave you. That's our king. That's the God. That's your father. The love of God is so simple and yet so complex. What would our life be like if I truly believed that God loved me like this? What would happen? Because he does and it's true. Receive it. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's, let's go to the king in prayer. How, you just do business. What, what do you need God to, to, to do for you right now? How do you need him to meet you right where you are? Just talk to him. Just put, put every, like bring everything that's inside and give it to him. Tell, tell him what you think. I want to invite some of you, I have a real strong impression that some of you, you have a different picture of God. 
tell him what you think about him. And, and then ask him a question. God, help me, help me to see you like you really are. Show me the thing that I'm believing that's not true about you. price for you, just remember. And if you don't know, some of us in this room is still standing on that auction block. And I want to tell you, the price is paid forever for you. You can just receive that. It can be yours. And he sets you free. He sets you free to go care about other people. You don't got to worry about you. You're good. Stop worrying about you. Go give your life away. It's going to be your joy. You were made for this. Do you know? You were made to walk with him. You were made to fill with his joy, to follow his purpose, not yours. I invite you, surrender your purposes and follow Jesus and your life will be filled with his joy. Here's what he's asked us to do. Would you go and love somebody the way he's loved you? Perfectly. Don't worry about what they do to you. 
Just love the hell out of them. And watch how their life begins to change. Because love, love remains and it never goes away. Father, we thank you so much for the reality that you put up all the purchase price for every single one of us in the room and every single one of us outside this room. And it's the free gift that you offer this whole world. If anybody would receive it, they can have a brand new life, brand new calling, brand new purpose. The old has passed away. The the new has come. Father, I say keep knocking. And if anyone in this room, if you, if you experience the knock on your door, just by faith and say, Jesus, I open to you and I receive what you've done for me. He will come in and he will love you forever and never leave you. He'll set you absolutely free and he'll call you to walk with him. If you made that decision, I want to talk to you right after this. Don't let another day go by. If you've got any prayer needs, come talk to us after this service. Our prayer team will be here. We'd love to walk with you. Father, we love you. We're so thankful. Thankful to do this journey together. And Lord, help the Bengals to win tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.